two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us the fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the CO double MON synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. God intended. I'm so glad I recorded that one. Lopping heads off the whole time. Guys, we All right, are who's recording. Next? Bezos, you're Bezos. up. Do we want to just start right there with the most uncool people ever are billionaires? They definitely are the uncoolest people in the world. They're like, so uncool. They unless, try hard to be cool, and they're even more uncool for it. But I'm wondering, though, is it American billionaires are not cool or every billionaire is not cool? I actually went and I did a deep dive for cool billionaires, and – the stories were either like promote, like they were written for the reason of promoting a billionaire, like giving them positive PR, like you could just tell, or they were a list of just who's popular, which doesn't really mean that they're necessarily cool because like Elon Musk would be the top of the list because he's just the most well-known billionaire, the one that has the most out there at this point. There was though, I fe- so there were, there's two, there's, that I found that were kind of cool. There's a Norwegian, there's a dude, he's a crypto billionaire here in New York City or in Boston. I think it's Boston. You lost and, me. Well, that's the thing. That's the whole discussion here, right, Q? Welcome welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome. This is the Second Mouth Podcast. And uh, we are discussing why billionaires are the least cool fucking people at the party. Definitely um, the least cool. I would not be shocked if these folks, like if you invited them to a house party, they would bring like a six pack of Heineken, but drink all of your booze and then be like, yo, man, you got five for the beer. <laughs> I would say they would come in. They would just tour around your house, criticizing it the entire time. You'd find them in like random places in your house, not talking to anyone, like how sturdy your bookshelf is, like turning <laughs> around like, you know, I got I got a bookshelf that actually hands you the books. Voice activated. You I can fi- see that happening. Them. Probably find them in your garage, just playing with the fucking garage door opener. Definitely not flushing your toilet. I I would say they'd be the person that leaves the toilet paper roll in the toilet bowl, like still attached. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so it's just like slowly like sucking up the fucking toilet bowl water right up into the roll. Walks out of the bathroom and says, hey, man, there's just too much going on in that bathroom. You might really want to check out. It's like, motherfucker, this is the only bathroom I have. (laughs) They just like they squeezed out the entire tube of toothpaste into the sink. There's microplastics in toothpaste. <laughs> Definitely spill something on your carpet. Yeah. Twice. And then keep asking you some like random cryptocurrency. Like, do you have Dogecoin? You think it's going you have to the Ethereum? Moon? Think it's going to the moon? No, I was going to say that's how they're going to pay for like your carpet. They don't have cash or a credit card. They don't oh. have Venmo. They have like <laughs> some obscure cryptocurrency. That's, what's, like... what's your crypto wallet? Give me those numbers. <laughs> 
How's your portfolio? All of a sudden, man, if somebody comes up to me and asks me how my portfolio is doing, I'm throwing whatever liquid object I have in their face. There, there's a video. Uh, I don't know if uh, you've ever seen it. It's Bill Gates went on the Ellen show and she was asking him random, like like a box of pizza bagels. How much do you think this costs, Bill? And he's like, I don't know, $40? And it was supposed to be this like... <laughs> he Jesus. He, yeah, it's supposed to be this lighthearted like segment of like, haha, look how out of touch this billionaire is. And it only made me like angry because I'm like, this guy literally does not know what anything costs. So they were being facetious, making a satire out of it. And it yeah. actually like made more to the point that the number he picked actually proved he really doesn't know the price. It was a it. real life like Lucille Bluth moment, moment where it's like, what <laughs> nice costs? Dollars? You know, it's like it just it really made no sense. And I'm like, this like this is not making him look good that he doesn't. This is know bad. This well, is how very much bad. Milk costs, right. Like like that's the standard bearers. Like how much does a gallon of milk cost? Like when they talk about, you know, like all that. So how much like, does a gallon of milk cost? I, I only I only drink the freshest of squeezed nuts. I know so. how much eggs cost. They're like <laughs> four bucks. And I'm going to walk right past that comment that you made. <laughs> Speaking of Bill Gates, though, I mean, he uh, he's having a little spat with the new Twitter overlord. Did you see that one, too? I did not. I'm assuming yeah. you're referring to Elon Musk. I, I am. The, the lord and savior of people who don't like working electric cars. He's such a nerd. Well, like he he um, well, he had somebody leak a tweet for him of Bill Gates and him, and he asked Bill Gates why he shorted Tesla stock if he's worried about uh, the climate, if that's his big thing. Because then he had also, Bill Gates had also asked Elon Musk to donate towards for climate change or whatever. And that was actually what sparked the thought in my head. I'm like, man, these guys are so fucking uncool. That, that, that <laughs> that's like, I mean, uh, you take into account that there, there's, there was a moment I, I read about that built that Elon Musk pretty much like said to the UN, give me a detailed amount of how much it would cost the world hunger. And he's like, I'll pay it. And then he, they said it was about 6 billion. They actually like did the work and he, ne he never responded to it, but he bought, he bought Twitter for what? 45 billion. So yeah, yeah. there was also a post of him basically like they were talking about, <sighs> I hate fucking talking about this guy. He sucks so bad. The worst. <laughs> I you know I think that's the worst thing about him honestly aside from the fact that like he's just a complete nerd and he's just so unfunny. You see these edge lords who just love him and just like worship every little thing he did, does and it's just so sad. The, uh... It's like rooting for all the villains from fucking like Big Bang Theory. Like congrats, <laughs> you're all still in the comic book shop you losers. <laughs> Like he he posted the other day like a poll to drop the W in Twitter. Yeah, what what's that? Titter. It's like you're fifty fucking something year old man. And you're making a boob joke. Someone who's got so many big and important fucking uh, businesses out there, you would think he'd be a little bit more busy and preoccupied with fucking serious shit. But somehow he he's able to do all of that and make those companies work. And still have time to fuck around on Twitter. Like, uh, he tweeted earlier around noon today. He was like, I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. And I was like, you're basically admitting this is going to suck once you take ownership. That's, I mean, what that says. It, That's what that says to me. It's not a shocking thing because he's going to he's going to unban Trump, by the way, too. 
no doubt about that. He's gonna let all the he's gonna let all the edge lords back on. It's gonna turn into it's gonna like it's gonna become more toxic than it is now. It's gonna become more toxic, and people are gonna leave, and it's gonna it's gonna uh, this is gonna be a similar probably situation to Tumblr. Then like, I think that like when I think Yahoo bought Tumblr a bunch of years ago and it like it lost the authenticity aspect that they liked about it. It became very corporatized. He's going to start charging for like retweets and stuff. Everything's going to get monetized and it's going to be an absolute shit show. Of a... And then something else will come out. Somebody else will create it. I'm just going to say we got Parler. It yeah. becomes the new left. What about uh, chamber. what about um, Truth Social? <laughs> yes. There Does well, the Trump, left go Trump, to Truth Social? Trump already Trump already said that he's not going back to Twitter because of True Social, but like that's not going to last. Yeah, people don't go to Peter Luger's because the Denny's is open down the street. Exactly like, right. Yeah, I mean I do, but well, I mean Grand Grand Slam is fantastic, but I mean I still has nothing on Cracker Barrel. Nothing can't even compare. <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm looking at I I think Gato, you said something that really resonated with me in the sense that you're the guy who's trying to create an entire electric car industry. You're trying to get humans to go to space more and start to expand our reach into the stars, while also creating a hyperloop in Vegas and and don't creating- forget the singularity. And singularity, too, because we need to be in touch with our AI feelings. Twitter was the piece of technology he needed to make that happen. But I don't understand. Like, Twitter feels like somebody made fun of him. He didn't like it. So I'm going to buy it now. And now you can't have it anymore. And this is the thing that makes me always very nervous of allowing billionaires to do whatever the fuck they want. Is that... This is now a huge component of mainstream media. Twitter is because that's where most people get their information. Um, It's a huge component of just people's general intake of content. And now you're going to have somebody on there who is basically going to put a stranglehold on it and paywall the shit out of it. But at the same time, too, he's doing it out of spite, not because he actually has a good idea. He's he's tired of people posting that picture of him and Jane Maxwell together. Well, you know what? The, the funny thing, though, it's like, what Box. do you think is going to happen is that everyone that's not going to be cool with it is going to troll him hard. I was thinking of what are the most creative ways we could probably do that? Fuck around and find out, Elon. Fuck around and find out. I just want to uh, repost but, the video of him throwing a brick at that, like, stupid truck that he had and the window smashing. That's like, so, But here's 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 another thing about that is that more and more I'm seeing, like, news sites out there are behind paywalls. When you're looking for something or a scoop, you're kind of forced to go to social media just to see what's happening, what's trending. You might you might not get your information from there because it's not the best place, but you're going to hear about a story. Then you're going to go seek out if it interests you. And that's going to be harder to do with a guy like Musk behind behind the scenes because he's only going to make it so that you see what he wants you to see. He's going to control that. And, and there's no doubt about it. And he, he was talking about doing like verification badges for people who subscribe to, I think he called it Twitter blue or something. Twitter like, blue is a thing already that exists that okay. does right. similar stuff. Yeah. It's a service. Once like a verification badge. So like fucking insult God 69 is going to get a verification badge. Like, who the fuck Cause is- they're going to pay like $25 a month. Right. There's a whole pro there's a few routes you can take to get a fucking a blue badge on your fucking handle. Uh, one of them is 
by popularity, but the another is to be an organization. Like you don't actually have to have a large following to do it. You just have no, to know how. What I'm saying though is that like, what are the, what are we verifying? Like it's just it's just it's sad because it's a ploy to get money from yeah. these, and they have no clue because like again, you know, some some completely anonymous account is going to be like. Well, this thing, everyone does everything on fucking Twitter to be fucking ironic anyhow. Yeah, I guess so. So I, all that to be said, like... Billionaires are not cool, bro. Billionaires are not cool, but if we can transition that to the current pillow fight that's going on in Florida right now between Ron DeSantis and Disney, and I know that we talked about this a little bit last week, more has started to come out about what the stipulations of Disney media losing their tax um, exemption status... And how it's going to impact the surrounding areas in Florida. So I can't remember the two counties that Disney, Disneyland or Disney World? Osceola. Osceola is one of them. And then Orange County, right? It's Disney World, I believe. Yeah. So Disney World is losing their tax status in Florida, which basically allowed them to operate and function like its own city where they were responsible for all the municipal services, the water trash. um, But also too, it allowed them to make laws and policies that circumvented like local and state authority. Ron DeSantis has, I believe will be signing a bill that rescinds that. And that will occur in June of next year. A lot of this is because Disney has pushed back on the don't say gay bill in Florida. And now Disney is pushing back on this company that said, we don't necessarily agree with this law. And what it end, will end up doing is hurting those surrounding counties. So there was an NPR report that came out that said the property taxes in the two surrounding counties around Disney World, their property taxes could potentially go up by 20%. Mm-hmm. They were saying an estimated billion dollars on the taxpayers in yeah. those counties. So what the thing that people don't know is that Disney took responsibility for all of those services around those areas, and they paid a lot of money to keep those areas looking nice and operating efficiently. But now that that property tax is going to increase, another component to it as well is fire, police, and ambulance services now fall back into the counties Mm -hmm. instead of Disney taking care of those. So that will also cost taxpayers in those two counties more money. And I wanted to talk with you guys about this, but I know I have a good feeling. I know where both of you stand on DeSantis versus Disney, but how does this make sense from a political standpoint in Florida? If your whole mentality is small government, no taxes, and now you've become big government and imposing taxes on voters. They, they haven't been small government in probably three decades. Their words, not mine. Right, right. <laughs> But the, the problem is, like, I mean, I would celebrate more if I actually felt like this would resonate with the common voter. Um, because remember, I've been it's the perennial like rug pulling when it came to Trump and people like Trump that I'm like, oh, this has got to be the one where people start turning on and this has got to be it. And then next thing you know, it only it, did, it literally does not resonate. In it. So I know for sure that if we're just speaking politically it's not going to blow back on DeSantis at all. He's going to make some claim about it's the left's fault. 
why the taxes went up and why your property, you're paying more China, Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, China. And then, and then all of a sudden DeSantis wins by 20 points next, next election. So it's ultimately going to be meaningless to that. I don't 100% agree with that though. I'll tell you why. One, I, I want to look at this, the situation in a right now down the line and then much further down the line scenario. Right. And he might be able to spin it today, but when it starts, it starts actually fucking hurting their taxes in those counties. Remember, he just pissed off the people that live in the surrounding areas are the employees of Disney. And that was somewhere around. They they have like 70 something thousand people that work at that park. DeSantis only won by 38,000 in the last election. Yeah, but that was against that was that was before that that is true but that was before he became he was an unknown at that point yeah and he's he has since ascended into a national republican figure so and and with with florida trending even more red than last time i i I assume he's going to destroy whoever he goes again well and that's and that's cool he's probably going to destroy whoever it is and that i mean it's not cool but you know what i mean that's fine um because what I I think that he's underestimating is what a company like this is gonna do. Most corporations they they give money to both sides. That's how they get they, that's how they get favor. That's how they keep influence. That's how they keep things like well, Disney special Disney, tax status. Working. Disney literally got Disney literally got shit over that the last time, right? Because they were literally donating to they were doing the pro LGBTQ whatever. Um, and then on the other end, literally funding the Don't Say Gay Bill. So now they went from funding two sides to really having a horse in this race. Right. And everybody that signed the bill to revoke the special status is not going to get funding come next election term. You sure about that? I am sure about that. Because if there's one thing I know about Disney, it's that you bend to their will or you get the fuck out. Because I've had that own personal, I've had my own personal issues with, with sure. fucking Disney enough sure. to know that that's how they operate. Because yeah. they really believe that whatever they're doing is that special that anything that gets in their way needs to be vanquished like an evil villain. And DeSantis is already an evil villain. Anybody that supports him is going to fucking feel that somewhere. I, I have a bit of a bold take. I'm glad this is happening. Me too. Because I'm kind of tired of billionaire companies trillion i mean these disney is the biggest one of the biggest companies in this country and honestly i don't think they deserve like special tax statuses no and and it's sad because it's going to have residual effects on regular people homeowners and shit and but this is the unfortunate thing is you built the house of cards that's now tumbling on top well i also kind of love it not the people the politicians yeah kind of sure I kind of also love the fact that I kind of see Florida getting rid of all its liberal boogeymen, right? There was, oh, this is something else that happened last week was um, during the redistricting thing. uh, The Florida legislator cut the internet because um, the, the democratic um, legislators were protesting Mm. and they cut, they cut the internet so that people couldn't fucking get the feed of what was going on. Because, you know, right now they're redistricting all of the areas, re-gerrymandering um, the districts. 
and yep. they're they're trying to make them lean more right. And it's really funny to me because if you get rid of all your boogeymen, you have no one else to blame but yourself. When you've defeated them all, when there's when it's a completely red place, you you don't blame you're gonna, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work twice as hard to make it look like it's not you that's doing this the, when they still have to raise taxes when they still have to do things that the, their voters are not gonna like they have no one to blame it on they, they can blame it sure we're we're assuming that people are the low like literally are just dumb enough to believe anything because they're sipping on soft drinks smoking meth in florida but like i think at a certain point a, a rationale will say hey there's no one here left to blame and you could you could turn that yeah sure you could turn that against immigrants you could turn that against whoever but eventually you'll you'll fracture the Latino vote and they're gonna go back in the opposite direction. It's just what's gonna happen. You have more faith in the American electorate than I do because I don't feel is that it's going to eventually. It's eventually eventually it's gonna do is it's not gonna turn conservative people liberal. It's what it's so it's not like they're gonna get pushed to the D- Democratic Party. The only thing that's going to happen is they're going to become more cannibalized and you're going to see more extreme candidates start to form. You're seeing a, go go from Sarah Palin to Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Sarah Palin, if you go back and you watch the things she said, the things she did compared to a Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's not even close. Sarah Palin is like vanilla ice cream, like like plain sure because like they didn't have to be that way they didn't have to be that inflammatory and you got no margin taylor green every week now is making some kind of nazi reference like this is basically hitler like uh, i can't i have to wear a mask in a store right like this is this is worse and now you're gonna get somebody who's even worse you're gonna get people pretty much advocating for like government like politically related like executions but we already have books me, being banned in but let me states. ask you right but let me ask you something yep who won the last presidential election biden it was biden right right what does that say about the electorate as a whole they're willing to hold their nose and vote for somebody who's what not just happened Trump. but you, exactly but, what but, just but, happened wait, wait what just happened at the end of or yesterday in france macron well, won he beat right, out but, the, the radical right, whatever, Marnie Le Pen or whatever the I, fuck her name Marie is. Le, Marie Le Pen. I'm not worried about a national necessarily, but it's it's getting chipped away at when you look at the way that these state legislators are starting to fall. You're yeah, you only at, need strongholds in right. different states. So Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, all the states that Democrats – need ultimately like because again the democrats are going to win new york right and they're going to win california republicans are going to win oklahoma and north dakota and all that shit right there's no worries about that you can put a democratic straight legislator in those red states and it won't matter but when you talk about a state like georgia that the democrats won which is shocking right because i don't think i don't think jimmy carter won georgia and he was from fucking georgia i mean but if they, if the Republicans can gain a, str- a stranglehold and control the voting mechanisms in those states through voter suppression, which they already do, they will chip off enough so that it will be impossible for a Democrat to win on a national level. Because if you can do that in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, it's over. 
it's over. I look at Georgia and say, like, what Stacey Abrams did there was very impressive. I think I don't see them turning around because what's going on there is like Florida is like trying to have its own little civil war with fucking Georgia now. They're they're calling them out. And I think all that does is when you attack a group of people that are proud to be Georgians, they're just going to be like, fuck you. Florida's fucking armpit of America. And and they're going to actually come together in spite. I think a lot of a lot of action will help people come together when it's out of spite, especially in our current day and age of the ultimate pettiness and owning each other. We have to own each other every fucking way possible. But just remember, I mean, it makes Florida more confi- you know come together too. But it doesn't. It has the opposite effect in Georgia. Stacey Abrams did a great job at, at getting people out to vote. But remember, now, due to what happened in the election, Brian Kemp, who literally won by voter suppression, is now the moderate candidate in Georgia. Yeah, he was. He had he a. Was Debate with uh, Purdue this week, right? <laughs> so, if you fire. think that it's gonna get easier, that the, those type of attempts, as as much as I do love those things, it only makes it harder because, and, and there's really no good answer here because, like, it's just how the Republicans work. They have a system and it works. I mean, yes, but you also see that the fucking Republicans are turning on themselves, right? This past week, you know, there was a lot of support for fucking seeing Marjorie Taylor Greene perjure herself, like, it was also, Republicans were also behind admit or commit to fucking saying or doing something, because they do want to get rid of people like her from their party. It's tarnishing their ability to get their agenda through, because there's a new agenda that they're not 100% down for. Tom, you got a take on that? Yeah, and I would say I would agree with you in that sense, because you can lump, like, the Lauren Boberts and the... Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Madison Cawthorns together in that they move the needle in terms of like what shows up on Twitter of the easy like own the libs wins. But if you think about it, though, the three of them hold very little like influential legislative power in the House. Are there any, any chairs? Are they, they don't hold any committee place. positions. They, they don't, don't hold any committee positions. They only propose laws that they know that are going to, or bills that are going to be struck down. And they use that as a platform to say that I'm being silenced. Like somebody may, was talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like she doesn't propose anything. And someone's like, yeah, she does. She's done all these. Like, have they made it out of committee? No. Those committees are made up of both Republicans and Democrats. And ultimately, at some point, you do have to govern and not just go on like Newsmax and scream at the top of your lungs. You're wasting our fucking time here. Is at, what... <laughs> right. At a, cer- at a certain point, like, yes, you got elected. Congrats. You actually have to do the job that you're being paid to do now. But I want to bring it back. Um, I had a funny thing I wanted to say about the the GOP legislature cutting the internet to the the redistricting thinking about this when you were saying it and the New York times or the Washington post, like motto of democracy dies in the dark. It's not that democracy dies in the dark. It dies in the spectrum customer service line. Apparently (laughs) everything goes there to die. (laughs) Yes. Everyone just gives up on life. As soon as it's like, hello, spectrum customer services is Daryl speaking. It's like, I'm just going to quit. Yeah, well, a new a new story is actually emerging as we, we sit here. Ron DeSantis creates a space force, but for voting. Yes. 
to keep the aliens out. So reading the first like couple paragraphs of this, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Monday signed a sweeping voting overhaul bill that establishes a new election police force, giving yep. his administration a new way to probe election crimes. Yep. With the GOP governor's signature, Florida has become one of the first states in the country with a unit focused on election fraud, an exceedingly rare problem that has become an animating issue of some Republican voters following former President Donald Trump's 2020 loss. We're talking about Ginny Thomas, basically, is what we're saying. Like, this is just so funny to me that this is like the Sam Darnold they're seeing ghosts in the pocket. Like Ron DeSantis and the Republican Party are just constantly seeing ghosts when it comes to election fraud. And the only people that end up getting fucking caught for election fraud are Republican pollsters. It's yes. just... I don't even think they're seeing ghosts. I think they know that the majority of... like They know that it's like point zero 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 one percent or whatever of the people who vote that it's not enough to swing elections but they it's a good you it's a good method for them to be able to be like oh yeah we're going to establish all these voter suppression laws now because so i think it's a question of like do it's they an intimidation it's it's well what's the I, I would make the argument that this could be like a low-key jim crow law yeah. it is it's, it's it is the new jim crow essentially because I'm I, I'm just doing my job is going to be what they're going to say when they start pulling people out of the voting lines, um, asking them to see fucking ID or what have you, um, detaining people till after the vote is done. Yeah, we'll see. I, or, I want to point out too that Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's chief of staff, was registered to vote in three places. Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and North Carolina stripped him from his voting privileges in North Carolina because he was actively able to vote in all three states. That ain't cool. That that happened within the last like week down here. Jesus, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in like the last week. <laughs> it's been a very busy spring for us. Quite eventful, yeah. <laughs> very much so. So all that to be said, like Jesus is also. How did you guys celebrate time. your flat Earth Day? What day was that again? Now with Kyrie Irving. That was the twenty third. You hung out with Kyrie Irving in what Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> I know how Kyrie Irving celebrated Flat Earth Day. Played in the playoffs, and now they're down 3 I love it. I'm so happy to see it. I have a question though, because they were talking about this. I, I hate to switch topics from like the end of times in Florida to end of times in Brooklyn. I was listening to Bomani Jones's podcast today, and he made the argument that. If the Nets lose to the Celtics in this round, are they the biggest disappointment in basketball history? I don't know about history. I feel like the Miami Heat the first year losing to the Mavericks was pretty bad. Yeah, um, there's been some bigger upsets, I think, out there. The, the thing is, though, is that the the Nets have only won one playoff series. At least the Heat got to the – finals right right but the, you know without Kyrie for most of the season and I think Duran had to miss some games too I mean they're they're not really they weren't really and a couple wide open shots well yeah I mean he, he's been terrible this this playoff series um but I, I don't I, they're definitely a huge like bust but I don't know I, I don't know if I'm willing to go in history I feel like I, also because there's I have to account for things that like I don't even remember, you know, but like, I still feel like that first Miami heat season 
when you have prime LeBron James, prime D Wade, prime Bosch, and yeah, they made it to the finals, but like they got worked in that in that series. Yeah. I, I mean, I would make I would make the argument they're probably one of the greatest disappointments in basketball because yeah. they've had three years to figure this out. Yeah. And they haven't been fi- been able to figure it out. And basically they traded James Harden for Ben Simmons and an empty parking space. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why. What I don't, what is <laughs> what is Ben Simmons is like issue? Is he hurt? Does he just not want to play? He's a, he's hurt apparently. Um, well, from all the basketball he played this physically? year, they they fired Kenny Atkinson too, and they hired Steve Nash. I love Steve Nash. I was one of my I loved watching him play when I was younger. Um, but I'm pretty sure that like Steve Nash writes his plays on an etch a sketch or something because like I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he does in these timeouts because they they have no clue what they're doing. You have two of the best players in the NBA on your team, and he can't seem to get anything going. So back on the sauce. I'm pretty sure he's like, yeah, he maybe he's doing Mad Libs or something, like when he fills out plays or something. I have no idea. Um, I I would make the argument the reason why he was hired was to not bother anybody. Oh yeah, he's he is he is he's a former star player, so I think they thought he could rein in and keep Kyrie and Kevin Durant, all those guys in the mix but the thing that you don't realize that like they don't i don't think they want a coach that's just going to be their friend they want a coach who's actually going to help them win that's the whole reason they do this and steve nash is not that guy yeah but i don't think they actually i don't think they know what they want because if they knew what they want then they would have been able to do it these are game winners they don't need they don't need somebody to make them win right they're just they need an excuse why they're not winning that's what it is i I found he's the fall guy I found it pretty shocking when James Harden wanted out. Um, not shocking in the sense that he wanted out, but like shocking in the sense that it lasted a half a year and he pretty much looked at this and was like, it's not it's not a winnable situation. Well, I, I think that he saw like Kyrie is not playing and he's taking up all the oxygen in the room. And yeah. he probably saw the writing on the wall for Kevin Durant. I don't think Durant's going to play a full season ever again. But they they took a team that was a playoff team and signed Durant, signed Kyrie Irving, and basically stripped all of the pieces away from what made that team good. Jared Allen. Jared Allen. um, Spencer Dinwiddie was on that team too. Jared Allen's having an amazing team. Could you make the argument, though, that it's because of all the distraction they could never get down to basketball? in the first place. Cause there was a lot of, I, I think it's, I think it's more what Tom was saying and that they, they are more content on adding the Goran Dragic's, the LaMarcus Aldridge's and the Blake Griffin's. And they got rid of Jared Allen. And who was the, who's the shooting guard that they had? That was really good. Levert. Levert, Carlos Levert. Um, so they, they got rid of a dream all, team. Well, yeah. Yeah, they, they thought if we get all these like former stars on this team, it's going to be enough. And they got rid of the really good role players. Dude, look at we, – we were talking about this uh, the other day with the Lakers. It comes full like, circle, they right? Of, they got rid of Caruso. They let Caruso go to Chicago. They let KCP go. And what happens? All of a sudden, you got these old guys that are used to being stars and no, are no longer capable of being that. By the way, they're down 17-12 right now. <laughs> um, As we speak. For them. 
Love that for them. (laughs) I see Goran Drogic playing, so there's no Ben Simmons. Uh, Apparently, he was supposed to play in this game, but uh, I guess. What did he get locked in like the equipment room or something like that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he he he's still at Subway (laughs) trying to figure out what. The door says pull, and he's been pushing the entire time. I, 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 They're gonna I, ask Steve Nash at the end. He's like, "Yeah, he's at the vet getting his claws removed." I mean, at, at what point does he <laughs> actually just put on a jersey and start playing? Dude, what? A, I, I mean, I, I don't want to downplay the things that Ben Simmons said at the beginning of the year, where he was dealing with some some mental health concerns. However, and I hate to do this, but a part of me thinks that that was a a, a way for him to get out of Philadelphia rather than an actual problem that he was having. And it, again, it pains me to say that because I think anybody who's dealing with a mental health crisis or um, is struggling emotionally or mentally should be listened to and should be believed. But at the same time, it just seems so perfect that he played like absolute shit in the playoffs and didn't take any responsibility for it was not willing to shoot. Didn't take any responsibility for that. And now all of a sudden the team's saying like, we're working our asses off and you're not. And I was like, no, I don't want to play here anymore. Cause they're mean to me. Yeah. And, and there was already a precedent with Calvin Ridley. Um, in the NFL yeah. That like, if you are literally have a bad mental uh, state, if that is the case, and if, and if that is really legit, you have the right to tell them, like, I, I need time away. I need to step away from the game. And you can come back whenever you want because, again, I think, we, I think we're being – I think society has kind of shifted with athletes that we're more focusing on them that, like, yeah, they're human beings and they deserve mm-hmm. to be treated like that instead of, like, fucking machines. Look what but, happened to Mike Tyson this week. Exactly. It's terrible. That's, yeah, that was really fucked up, man. <laughs> I kind of wish I was on my plane, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just jumped in and started beating him with Mike, man. That dude was so fucking annoying. He deserved every fucking second of that, man. Yeah. And But I'm glad that we've shifted society towards more focusing on them as human beings. I think Colin Kaepernick kind of thing kind of also kind of opened that door, too, that they should be allowed to you know express themselves in whichever way they want. But yeah, Ben Simmons, I, I don't know. It, it get, you get some, I'm kind of with you, Tom, that I, I get eerie vibes that like he's looking for more for excuses. So I I do see it's it's like to say one thing and then do another kind of I understand why you'd be suspicious because if you're having this issue and you you say this with um in Philly the worst place you could possibly go with an issue like that is yeah. New York it's the toughest right and and not only New York a team that is expected or like has expectations extreme cr- yep where you're going to be under a brutal spotlight because now you are number three where James Harden used to be to where if he went to golden, if he went to golden state and was like the fifth guy on that team, or if he even if he went to the Minnesota Timberwolves or whatever, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have as much spotlight on him. Um, so yeah, he, he welcomed that situation. And it's also not fair to the Brooklyn Nets because they, they made that trade in good faith that you were ready to go and we're going to contribute to this team. And he hasn't played at all. And yeah. And they, he got traded at the deadline, right? Yes. So yes. basically he got to sit around for seven months and not do shit. I mean, Getting you know, $30 million a year. 
Yep. It, it, it does have to be kind of hard. I think you come into the pros and you're you're now you're still good. Don't get me wrong. You're still amazing. And compared to anybody who's just picking up fucking games on a court. I mean, you're a god. But when you're playing around people of your caliber all time, I wonder how much that starts to take on you, especially as you feel you're declining, how much that mentally starts to drain on you. It's almost like an, an exponential effect to when you're already struggling physically right. um, with either injuries or performance, how much that starts to actually really start to become even more detrimental, especially when you start saying it publicly and it becomes the thing you live, you know, because now it's not only a thing you live internally, it's the thing you're living externally. Yeah. And I, I mean, and, you know, the thing with Simmons is that, I don't know, there, there were already work ethic question, questions about him because of the fact that he, you know, he, he's he's arguably, he doesn't shoot three-pointers. And, like, I know he's, like, a six-foot-seven point guard, right? So it's, like, he's not necessarily a traditional point guard, but, like, he doesn't shoot three-pointers because he's bad at them. So the question is, like, is he really just bad at them or does he not work at them? You mean, is he trying to improve that part of his game, right? Right, because, like, yeah. again, Everyone used to talk about Shaquille. If you remember Shaq, like he was a terrible free throw shooter, and they're like, "Are you even like trying?" Because like the term is literally hack a Shaq, right? Yeah. Where people would literally foul him because they were like, "I'm not if, if I don't foul him, he's gonna score. But if I foul him, he's most likely gonna miss these free throws. So we're like, it's a net negative play, right? So I mean, I, different I, basketball was being played then. Compared no, to but, now, but I which think is the other. I, I don't think it's the the style. I think it's the principle of it, right? That like Ben Simmons is a terrible three point shooter as a point guard, and like a position that you need to be good at outside shooting, right? Because you're playing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a question of is Ben Simmons just bad at shooting threes, or is he not working hard enough in the off season to become better at them? So I think those questions were already there about that, and then becoming like a malcontent in in Philadelphia, not talking to your teammate, not talking to Doc Rivers, and then all of a sudden now saying you want to uh, trade. It, it's there, yeah. there, there, there were already questions there. So, yeah, I do hope that he is being sincere in that um, what's going on because if that is the case, then I, I feel horrible for him because it must be a terrible situation to go through having that constant spotlight on you with you when you have you know mental anxiety and all that. But at the same time, I don't know the, the with him. Sometimes it's just it's a lot of question. It doesn't I mean, feel authentic, and I hate to say that, but it does not feel authentic. Which, right. which you know, I guess we could talk about the idea though that it's a growing trend here, um, mm -hmm. especially amongst younger people, that um, we're seeing more anxiety, more depression, and we don't have the usual suspects as to why that's occurring. A lot of times in the past. Things like depression or anxiety were blamed on like trauma, trauma, social peer pressure type stuff um, or drug use that none of that stuff is actually f kind of holding true currently as to being the main causes for the rise in depression, anxiety amongst uh, younger people. It's probably, um, oh, I mean, if we're talking about younger athletes, I think Twitter probably plays into it. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm talking in general. Well, in general, well, I think I think it's pretty simple, honestly. Like, I think we're I think young people are hyper aware to the fact that, like, 
there's the, the the job prospects and all that, like that America where you're used to that you can get a pension and retire when you're 50 something years old is, is no longer here. It's, it's gone. And I, a lot of people, a lot of younger people are also invested in, in, uh, uh, environmental stuff. And they see, you know, all the reports of, you know, the effects of, uh, climate change in this country. And I think it's a reason to be depressed. I, I, I get it. There's there's a lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, more than just climate change. Homeownership, like, I mean, amongst young people in this country is significant. Economic disparity in general, yeah. right? So, I mean, Cost of an education. You, you uh, have, so your future is kind of looking... You have a lot, of politi- a lot of political turmoil. You have environmental turmoil. You have social turmoil because, unfortunately, the, the FOMO of, like, their favorite social media follows... They're sipping champagne on a beach and then they're realizing like, oh, I'm going to have to go to work tomorrow and, you know, work for $13 an hour. It's it's I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But um, I think I think it's a lot of societal stuff that is kind of causing that. So, Gatto, I think you were alluding to the the articles that have come out recently about like the, the growing mental health crisis within like adolescents and young people, correct? Yeah, why not? That's exactly what I meant. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so, so I agree. I agree with both of you. Um, and I think ultimately, there was a lot of stuff that came out about this prior to the pandemic. But I think the pandemic has accelerated a lot of it in the sense that um, it's only just put a lot of this fear and anxiety and social distress in the pressure cooker. So. I don't know. There was a book that came out in, I think it was like 2012 or 2015. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind. It was by Jonathan Haidt and one other individual. Um, And it talks a lot about the growing changes within young people in America and how in some cases there's not nearly the level of rigor that happens with young people in terms of like growth and development. And he alluded into some of his research that you're starting to see a increase. And this is back in 2014 or 2015. You're seeing a increase in reported self-harm and hospital admittance by young women, particularly like high school girls and middle school girls starting in 2009. And that number continues to creep up more and more and more. What also became very popular in 2009? Crypto. I'll give you no, not crypto, but I'll give you a hint. It's a social media platform, Instagram. Oh, so Instagram popularity began to like spike in 2009, but also it's correlated directly. And if you were to look at the two on a graph, like the growing popularity of Instagram and then the growing um, hospital admittance of self-reported harm, they are like neck and neck with each other. Hmm. And a lot of it has to do with what you were saying, Q of like a FOMO of I'm seeing my friends do things that had I not had this social media presence, I would not be able to see that, but it's out of sight, out of mind. Right. And ignorance is bliss kind of thing. And, And ignorance is bliss in some cases. It doesn't matter whether you're actually enjoying yourself while you're there. The fact of the matter is that you're there and you're part of the in crowd now. And what's happened now is Students have shifted or 
young people have shifted their entire identity to what their online presence is rather than what their in-person presence is. And then that's only been exacerbated by the pandemic where you've separated people and you've siloed them out to the point where they can't see their friends on a continual basis. And it's, it's unfortunate that this mental health crisis in America is starting to get attention now at the end of the pandemic when it really deserved a lot of it in the early 2010s when it was something that could be controllable. Now social media is fucking everywhere and it's in so many different modalities and platforms that it's impossible to rein it in now. You're starting to see these generations of millennials and Gen Z and then the generation that's going to come after that has been seriously impacted by basically living their lives online and not having any kind of outlet beyond what the internet is able to provide them. Yeah, there's a there's a great moment um in the fire festival documentary on Netflix um, in which one of the guys who was kind of sounding the alarm bell pretty early. What's up? That was a lot of vodka. Oh, <laughs> wow. Sorry. It looks like water. I guess it's <laughs> the way uh, you were drinking it. It was like water. No, <laughs> we haven't we have like old... just walked through the fucking desert, Tom. We Jesus have an old Christ. fridge and the ice maker is gross. And so you make ice cubes out of vodka? Is that what you're telling me? No, I didn't put any ice in there, but I put more vodka in there than I thought I did. What, okay. what are you sipping on? Fucking just Bartons out well, of the handle? It's a, no, it's a Tito's and, you know, Harris Teeter Seltzer, and you all will be able to I don't experience. Know what that is. Well, it's a, re- it's a grocery store in North Carolina, one of which you'll be able to experience when you all come down in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't worry i'll take you to all of the grocery stores in uh, the in the tri-county area i, was, I mean I was that's worried. the only reason i'm coming down there, there's no other i didn't come to see you you have a kroger we don't have a kroger fuck this i'm, I'm canceling fuck this we shit. have a Publix. no kroger. we have harris no, teeter we have kroger, food lion kroger, kroger <laughs> anyway back to the subject Publix. at hand so there was anyway so there was a great moment in the uh fire festival documentary one of the guys who was sounding the alarm bells pretty early on in the process he talks about like how social media kind of plays into it because he said he would post pictures on Instagram of like him standing on a beach goes, this is my work day today. And of course, like anybody who saw that would be like, man, this fucking guy's working on the beach all day. He lives the best life ever. Look at it. He's partying with Ja Rule. Like this is incredible. And he said like, those were some of the most miserable days I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. So like you put on a perception that you're doing awesome. And we don't ever talk about the fact that, like people, even those people who are posting those great pictures are probably they're having bad days too. Well, they're doing it because of those bad days. Exactly. Right. right. Well, so this is also something about like puberty is hitting kids younger and younger and younger, right? There's evidence that girls were going through puberty at 16 back 40 years ago, and now some as early as like 12 and nine years old and stuff. Probably. And. Old. So from from research, they say that the brain develops in different regions at different times and it continues. I think, Tom, you've told me this once before, that the brain continues to develop into like the mid 20s, like 20, 25, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the areas that is um, developing earliest is the amygdala. And that's the area that controls or registers emotional response to things. And it's developing and it's more active at a time um, before your prefrontal cortexes, which is 
the part that does the logic and the reasoning and where you would keep your coping skills to deal with your emotions. Now, if, if anything, social media at this point has become one of the most emotionally triggering things um, in society, right? And it's, it's, it's deliberately built in ways to manipulate those types of, or elicit those emotional responses, right? Like buttons, yep. um, using emojis, these types of things are meant to codify or gamify emotion into the technology. And it makes sense that like you're saying with the theory on the FOMO is that, you know, you're, you're just going to feel this constant overwhelming amount of emotion, but you're not going to be able to have the rational part of your brain to kind of counterbalance that. And it makes perfect sense why kids are then therefore feeling unbalanced and they're having to, or they're having these, these problems of depression or anxiety. One of the things that is a part of human development, particularly like in, in some cases like student development in the area that I used to work in, one of the components is managing emotions and being, being able to understand like why you're upset or why you're sad and being able to process that internally, but also being able to have a conversation with somebody and not like fly off the handle. The problem is though, is that all of these conversations are now happening over social media or happening through text messages where you're not actually sitting in front of somebody anymore and having an actual conversation with them, but instead you're able to process your emotions differently and be like furious while at the same time not being able to manage them and real good point there's another there's another piece of this puzzle too and this is more so for like the millennial generation but i'm starting to think that it's folding over is that there was a consulting company a number of years ago that did like a a real deep dive into the things that are going to concern like gen z and millennials one of the things that I think is really underplayed is the number of films and literature that deal specifically with young people under the threat of violence. Hmm. If you think about it, like yeah. Hunger Games, Harry Potter. Um, Euphoria. Euphoria is a great example of that. 13 Reasons Why. All of these huh. shows have incredibly traumatic experiences for people. I mean, even Harry Potter, like... They like they're going to die in every single movie. Yes. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. And you have to think like at a certain point subconsciously that starts to impact the youngest people in the sense that it puts them in the perception that they're constantly under threat. Which which is really weird to I think, you know, I think back of that time in my youth and not that I truly believed it but there was like some sort of innate like feeling of invincibility that mm -hmm. i know doesn't exist anymore in me <laughs> you know what i mean but that's natural that that feeling should go away over time right as you develop as you learn what the world is but yeah you're right i didn't have that fear as much and you know there were things to fear as a kid gr growing up during our time you know we, we we've talked about on the show before about the colobines and things like that but i mean you're right. Everything is coming at you so fast. It's perceived threat and it's man emotionally manipulative. That was a great point you made, too, is that when people respond, they're not doing it in a socialized way where they're rational and calm about it anymore. They're, yeah. they're shouting perceived, through glass screens. There's perceived know? tone in the text messages. Like Q and I could have an argument at a bar and we had several arguments at bars, but they were academic in nature and purely like 
you know, we're having fun, but we're also fighting with each other. Imagine if him and I did not know each other and we were having the exact same conversation, but through text message or through Twitter. But and that's very different, very different. Right. And that's the funny thing is that I've found that even in those moments where I've been in a, a discussion or a debate with somebody I didn't really know that had a very differing view um, there was like a level of civility and respect that in person you get that you'll never see on internet. You'll no. never fucking see it. It will never be there. No one respects anybody there. And that's half the problem. And the other thing is that everybody's so concerned with like being more clever than the last person that arguments are or debate is only to take a piece of the armor away piece by piece with, with each I comment. I hate to much it's it's terrible everyone everyone wants to debate but no one no one ever changes their mind it's like it's, a, it's such a useless uh tool well, they don't even take it into consideration right right they're literally just trying to find ways to like beat you in the debate but tom it's funny you mentioned entertainment i was i actually watched the new scream movie on the plane mm-hmm. um and i was like man this is fucking is a new like, screen movie it came out last year yeah uh, okay. <laughs> I'm like this movie's fucking like like pretty bloody and pretty brutal. And I'm like I don't remember the screen movies uh, uh, like after the first one being like this like graphic. And I actually looked it up. The first, I think the second movie came out right after Columbine. Yeah. So instantly those movies around those times were more muted. So like it would be like faker looking blood, off screen stuff, not as visual. And now you're seeing, I think, the entertainment is shifting back over the last few years to more gruesome, brutal type stuff. And I, I don't know if the, I don't know what that means. I'm not I'm not smart enough to give you a reason why, or if it's a good thing or if it's a bad thing. But it's just I it's I've noticed culture. Well, ultimately, I, it's young people being hunted, right? Yes, a very heavy. Team. Now again, that 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 was also a '70s thing. But I think the thing that's different now is that back in the 70s if you watch those horror movies they were teenagers but they were like that person's 32 years old right jamie lee curtis is like we're we're more focused younger actors or actors that look younger to be more authentic now you're seeing that and it's like oh that looks like a young person attacked i remember i remember being in middle school and um, a kid that was on our football team had come to school and in his locker, he had a scream mask, a knife and a list of people um, that we went to school with. And he didn't get he didn't get expelled. He, he always said it was a joke later on. Um, sure. I just remember like how how it was. It was like something like there was like a level of to him. The idea was like the emulation of of this weird fantasy world was kind of an allure to why he behaved you know he had done this why he had mm-hmm. chosen to do this and i wonder because of everything being so readily available the way we live life now like you're into like one of these fantasy worlds of some sort how much that also plays into your like we didn't have that type of level of stimulation we didn't have vr headsets where we could literally go into another world and I wonder how much that also plays into the effect of distorted reality. Like we have conspiracy theories, like we talk about them every fucking week and how they are a distorted view on reality and how much that actually might be another thing that's 
has an effect over you know, well, mental health. You bring up a really good point in the sense that um, like Lord of the Rings was there when we were in high school or in middle school. Harry Potter was there when we were in high school and middle school. And then they came movies. But you could not necessarily immerse yourself in the world the way that you could do that now where now there's – on- yeah, now there's online forums. Now there's like meetups. Now, now you there's can put a broomstick that- between your legs and play Quidditch. Yeah, league. Yeah. yeah, and there's <laughs> fan fiction now, and it's very easy for me to see like how people can become consumed by these worlds that they create. Well, at the same time, I could also see that from people who are already having a hard time with some kind of like. Well, they're having I, trouble I, I, with I, the current reality, and they yeah. Can- they're, they're escape to that place and that's a place filled with violence like we're saying yeah you know? and or they could be inundated with something else like call of duty yes. where they are fully ingrained in the culture that comes with that but also in some cases video game culture depending on the type of game is also incredibly toxic and like the language that's used it could make people feel lesser than, and many of the game companies have struggled to try to manage like online behavior. And I don't think they've really been able to figure it out. They've just but figured out how to monetize it better. That's they've really they've figured out how to monetize it and they'll try to ban people. But ultimately, like if you buy another account, you can get back on and be the same crazy person that you were. I feel like the greater tone of this entire conversation is you can be drowned in the world that you want. And I use the word drowned in the sense that you can be fully immersed in that world. while at the same time, it could be so immersive that it's suffocating and you've become completely overwhelmed by it. Like I would know people who would read all of these like, like youth, like dystopian world, like novels and their worldview is completely fucked because that's the way they perceive the world is that they're mm-hmm. going to die or they live in a dystopian future. Man. Imagine reading 1984 over and over and over and over again. Yeah. At a certain point, you start to connect things. The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale is a great example of that. And and it doesn't help that we just make memes or we minimize it with like pop culture references all the time too. Because then. We give, we give it a green light for for people to not take things serious when they are you know which hey we're all guilty of that one because i love me some dank memes you know it's a, it's a, it's a defense mechanism it's all yes. real it's we we don't know how to process like we like we don't want to experience trauma nowadays so it's like i cringe oh, when well, i hear that word well yeah so that's why we we drown ourselves in entertainment whether it be pop culture or netflix or whatever you know by the way pick of the week will be a movie (laughs) oh good (laughs) so guilty of it as well you know we're all we're all hypocritical in that sense of the but the doom and gloom part like like the world has always been an incredibly messy and violent place like if you look at turn of the century europe or the united states like these were not places that were like the, the shining beacons upon the hill. Like even if you look at like revolutionary America, how many people died of diseases, how many people died of smallpox it, this is not a new thing. And if you think about it, this is the least violent time in the world where the most abundance and the most intelligence and yet here we are, we're in the same boat. And I'm wondering back then, were they worried about like the same things? Um, 
so it's actually you the point that you're making is pretty interesting because i've thought about this too in um a debate between the creationist style of viewing the world and the evolutionists version of the world right and i think like the west has a perceived like good versus evil bad versus good kind of understanding of the world and if you go to like some eastern cultures or you learn some of the their ways of thinking about the same stuff it's it's more like a version of gray i sit here and i think like when you say we talk about all the terrible things between plagues and wars and how things were in the past from an evolutionary type of perspective versus thinking of things in the narrative of like a creationist you know christian good versus evil you know i wonder how much just having that way of thinking that defining your reality in itself becomes um important and perceive a situation how much it drains you mentally or physically because if you think everything is evil and out to get you everything's the devil mm -hmm. well everything's the fucking devil you know what i mean it, it's, like, it's, yeah. the, it's the marvelization of our society in that everything good is iron man and everything bad is thanos the yeah. amount of time you see people like and i see it on twitter like the every, positions everything becomes everything becomes they think it's a superhero movie and it's like i i, I seen the Zelensky and putin stuff like putin is thanos and Zelensky is iron man and i'm like this isn't a fucking movie yeah it's, but i think that that goes into that what we were talking about drowning in these yeah. uh world immersive of, worlds yeah immersive worlds is that this is now how you have to see the real world that we live in is only through like the ability to see it as a Marvel movie or the as as Harry Potter and that's how people have so, to do it through their it's, scripture. It's their it's version so of fuck, scripture. It's so man. fucking depressing, though. I, I think that's probably one of the more egregious things is we try to make comparisons between like major motion pictures or mass media to like real world events. Like it's not all the, the, same. the real world events should dictate what your media is, not the other way around. And making the and, Q, you hit the head, you hit the nail right in the head. And like, you also like infantize a, a conflict in a country where it's these basically cartoon characters are fighting each other. When in reality, this is an actual conflict where in all likelihood there is a genocide that's occurring. And in all likelihood, there is weapons that are being used that are violating the Geneva Convention. In all likelihood, this is a conflict that's going to continue. And it's probably not going to have an end either because that's how wars are now. They never actually end. They just peter out and continue to happen because we just stop caring about them after a while. We were having it's and I know this is a little off topic, but we were also talking about the distortion that a story often has compared to real life. And you brought up, Tom, how we have, you know, this entertainment or this what what have you, a movie or a show based on some real life events and the people who are living are like that doesn't characterize the situation at all. That's not factual that's not a good representation to me and there's a twofold yes this person has to defend their you know their who they are while they're alive you know because they have to live the rest of their life with these criticisms because a show is made about them but mm -hmm. on the other side of that too they're probably pretty right that that's not a good expression of who they are but it's the one that sells a story right because it plays into 
a more drastic narrative of some sort, right? We forget, and we forget that that people aren't so cast in one die. They they come in many forms and they change over time. People hold different beliefs and people can change their beliefs. And it's cool and okay for you to do that. And I would love to normalize that if we could. Good luck. Yeah, unlikely to happen, but good hey, luck. Hey, man, somebody turns to me and says, I had a different opinion than I had yesterday. I'm going to be like, I'm going to buy you a beer. Anybody. I'm going to do that for the entire time that you all are here. Like, hey, I got I had a really different opinion on Kroger. But now I'm actually down with Kroger, and he keeps like throwing beers. My you know, like hey, you know I had the like problem a, with that, Tom. You know, I, I didn't you, like I Dentine did. Ice, and now I love you, Dentine you know, Ice. You know what the problem with that, Tom, is that you can only change your opinion so many times before you're blackout drunk. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm willing to take my chances. And then you really change your opinion once you become blackout drunk. Hey, I'm not sure. Do I like this pizza or do I like this Philly cheesesteak? I just see like it's going to be two in the morning and Tom's going to, you know what? They should remove the Dick Veins and Snicker bars. Oh, God. <laughs> I've changed my opinion. <laughs> you it know what? Goes... They should be smooth. No, now that... it looks like a Tootsie Roll. And Gato is just looking at his credit card bill. He's like, just, just charge it. Just charge it. I'll be like, can I just buy the bottle at this point? I'm getting the airline the miles cost. at this point. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole dick vein thing was the fucking craziest shit i've ever seen i'm pretty sure it was just somebody like shit posting and like it was just it, something bill maher's writers came up with to make him sound edgy we nope. talk about that no offline. no we talked about that offline that was that was on the patreon Th- this is this is how fast shit goes though now that like you literally have somebody just making a joke on twitter and for anybody who doesn't know, there was, there was somebody who made a post pretty much about like the woke mob is trying to cancel Snickers by removing the dick vein. The dick vein being the chocolate swirl on it that gives it a more like authentic look. And it literally got to the point where what Bill Maher, every, like Fox News was talking about it. And Snickers actually came out and said, like, we're not getting rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they had a more technical term for it. Not like we're not removing the dick vein. <laughs> I, I I don't remember exactly what they posted, but they pretty much were like, "Don't worry, it's not going anywhere." And <laughs> don't worry, it'll be veiny as fuck. Yeah, we're, we're, anything, we're actually anything... we're, we're gonna sell a new bar. It's gonna be extra vein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I get that Snickers with vein extra on vein on both sides now? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We're actually we're just gonna make Snicker shaped dicks. It's cool. I mean, Wait, it's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't shock me. Bachelorette parties around the world rejoice. How do they not have that for bachelorette parties yet? I don't know. I feel like that's such a market that Snickers could get into and just completely bank off of. Unless like just Twix has it like copyrighted. Right. Which wouldn't make sense because <laughs> they have the left and the right. So they, yeah. they need to be doing like. Balls. Balls. <laughs> <Yeah>. balls. <laughs> Twix, Twix balls. Twix balls. Yeah. That's that's the title of the episode, by the way. Twix balls. Snickers Dick Vein. The episode title has to be Snickers Dick Vein and Twix balls. Uh Twix balls. Yeah. We're taking Jesus. on Mars. Yeah, but it just goes to show like that. Like literally someone just shit posted and it ended up making the fucking news Made the rounds. it's pretty it's pretty amazing I, I i can't tell if it's completely hilarious well, or like shockingly it, horrible it's kind of also like we're addicted to the drama yeah, right yeah. like we're looking for this shit like we're waiting for these moments so that we can have this 
I do I do enjoy those jokes though that like oh, yeah. the woke the woke mob is trying to take away the Snickers dick vein. Cause it's like it's just so funny because like everything has become so politicized in this country that like it wouldn't shock me if something like that was to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. these and I these companies prey upon it. Like they know exactly what it was someone doing. in their marketing that the, actually made that story. The Mr. Potato <laughs> dude, the I'm convinced that the Mr. Potato Head you remember the whole genderless thing? Hey, yeah. it's not Mister. It's Potato Head now. Exactly right. That was done pretty like the Eminem thing we talked about a long time. One of our first episodes, we talked about the SNM. Tune into SNMs. Um, we talked about it that it's like these companies are just like, how do we get people talking about us? And then they're like, yeah, we'll do gender. Like they have like a dartboard and it says like gender. gender. Like, yeah. (laughs) And they're like, they're like, what are we talking about today, guys? Poverty. Okay. How do we get that into M&M's? How do we get poverty into M&M's? Gender. (laughs) We're doing gender with M&M's now. We're going to make the green M&M less sexy. (laughs) You got a raise, Johnson. Good job. For for the abortion M and M's, we're just gonna take the peanut uh, out out of the M M&M. and M. It's just Jesus. gonna be an empty shell. On the Aborted M and M's. I can see M&Ms. Brian Kilmeade's face just like <laughs> boiling up red on Fox and Friends in the morning as he's just like slamming his fist into the table until he breaks all the bones in his hand. Like they took away my peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I hate to jump back to this topic about Disney, but I was at the gym in the morning. And of course, naturally, they have Fox News on with Fox and Friends on there. And they were talking about the Disney Ron DeSantis thing. And again, I'm sorry that this is out of context, but I saw in the in the the closed caption, Brian Kilmeade vomits out of his mouth. What would Walt Disney think about his company today? And I was just sitting there and I was like, you don't want to ask Walt Disney what he thought, what he would think about his company today. Because I would think he would say there's too many Jewish people around. Yes. Like, that's the thing that people don't realize is that Walt Disney was a massive racist and anti-Semite. Yep. Huge bigot. Like, yep. this is not the person you should be commentating. Like, you should not be asking, like, what would this person think? Like, there'd be. There, that's it, another fucking uncool billionaire, by the way. Yes. Like, there's a reason Disney made the movie Frozen was so that when you'd search Disney Frozen, it didn't come up with the whole thing that he's like cryogenically frozen. Is that is that legit? Doom. That was the reasoning behind. Oh it. my god. Yeah, dude. <laughs> wow. I feel fully pilled now. On Disney. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm di- <laughs> They've had I'm their Dis- coming up there, right? I'm yeah. fucking. I'm red pilled on Disney. <laughs> Brownie D, this is, take him this, down. Yeah. <laughs> Storm hey. the gates. Where do you Storm need? the gates? <laughs> I'm bringing the wrecking ball. Let's do this. Come on. <laughs> hey, I would be square with Ronnie D if he like was able to get in and show us the cryogenically frozen Walt Disney. Oh, ring. release the head. Release the head. <laughs> he just he just emerges the from the cryo chamber, just <laughs> holding it up. They're trying There's steam just coming up around him. I imagine a Trump <laughs> like a, a Trump like newsletter like they're trying to stop the head from coming out. Release the head. You know what it would be? It would be Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, and JFK Jr. 
one of them and lifting the head of Walt Disney out of the cryogenic tube. <laughs> and it's the head of Medusa <laughs> and everybody in the crowd becomes turned to stone. No, it's like, it's like the Ark of the Covenant. They open up and everybody <laughs> fucking melts. Don't open your eyes. <laughs> Don't look. The Nazis are all melting. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like Marco, I would... Ru Marco Rubio tied to a post. Don't look at it. <laughs> Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz just storm going on around him. <laughs> His face melts off. <laughs> you see Ted Cruz like beard melting off. Yeah. You see Ted Cruz's beard just melting off. Yeah, exactly. Mike Pence. It's a foustache, by the way. He's wearing Mike a Mike Pence is the German general whose face also melts off, and um Ted Cruz is the Gestapo agent. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Jesus Christ. We should make a cartoon series of all of this. Just like Wait. anthologies of question Disney movies. Now. Who was question the guy now. who was Michael Flynn? Would he be Indiana Jones in this case? The Ark of the I, New I, Covenant? Yes. How so? How so? Would he be Indiana Jones? Would he be the one Is there, tied? No, no I think why, 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 why would he be Indiana Jones? I don't know. He just fits that. Like he seems like theory. the only guy that would actually search for a crystal skull. Yes. Did you guys? Did you guys ever hear that? Like, it kind of blew my mind that Indiana Jones was was completely irrelevant in the original movie, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They would have found that Ark of Covenant with or without him. He was ultimately meaningless because ultimately those Nazis would have found the Ark of Covenant even without him because they didn't find it because of him. He was and on then, their trail more than they were right. on his trail. They were already there. Sure the they, other way in most of the yeah, other... They would have uh, opened the Ark of Covenant and melted with or without Indiana Jones. He was completely irrelevant in that movie. And that poor, right. like, that poor swordsman got shot in the face for no reason. Did, did, <laughs> funny, funny story about that as well. Is that apparently he had like really bad diarrhea that day, and it was supposed to sword fight. Yes, and he actually just pulled out the gun, like the gun, and fake shot him, and was like, "I have to go to the bathroom." So they kept it. They were like, "That's amazing. fucking," and it's and it's one of the best moments in the movie. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. So. <laughs> God, I I just I just that doesn't put a smile on you today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I just I I don't know I don't know. So so to be clear, Walt Disney's frozen head is what was in the box of the Ark of the Covenant. It was also what's in the box in the movie Seven. Bingo. Yeah. And it's buried underneath the uh, "It's a Small World" ride. Who would be the big head small world? Who would be the GOP? Is it Orrin Hatch? Would be the knight in? Um, I would hope not. Last Crusade. Protecting oh, the, the the cup of Christ. The, the old guard. No, it's probably like Strom Thurmond or something. Yeah. And it's just a big gulp cup. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to take the big gulp cup and put it under the correct like 7-Eleven soft drink. If you There's don't choose. Yeah. If you don't choose cheer wine, he chose poorly. It's it, <laughs> no, it, 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 it's definitely a Fago flavor. It's it's definitely here. it's definitely Fago, Mountain Dew, and like Tylenol lemon. crushed. Them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Pepsi was founded in North Carolina, and Coca Cola was founded in Georgia. Tom, Tom, what did I say about North Carolina facts on this podcast? No more. <laughs> wait, wait, is it true? Here's a question: Is it true down there they don't even call soda soda? They call it Coke. Like you can well, only call pop. No, that's a that's a Pennsylvania thing. Is it really? Yeah. 
It's a Pennsylvania and Western New York thing. It's a wrong thing. Well, they can't call it. They can't call all soda Coke in North Carolina because Pepsi Cola was founded in North Carolina. Yeah, but I thought like because Coca Cola was. Oh wait, maybe it's Atlanta. Yes, it's Atlanta. Place, it's Atlanta. Some place like you only call it Coke, even when you're like, I want a Sprite. You you still say Coke. Yes. I heard I heard it's a it's a southern thing, so I don't know if this is a North Carolina thing, Tom. You can maybe help me out. That apparently they put peanuts in Coca Cola. That's a Georgia thing. That's it's a, a Georgia thing. thing. Okay. I've, yeah, I don't get it. Well, I mean, you could also come we'll find to out this... who's got a peanut allergy at the party real fast. That we yeah. will. We will fat. We will. But also, too, it's like diabetically dangerous levels of sweet tea is a thing down here too. Yeah. Like disgusting. Yeah, Girl. we're gonna. It's basically the tea from Men in Black that sugar. Uh, yeah, sugar. give me sugar. <laughs> <laughs> sugar. You're, like, you're you're a little too good at that, Gato. I'm just yeah. You, know. you could you could. <laughs> I've, been, I've been working on that one for a while. Vincent Dino- Vincent D'Onofrio is shaking in his fucking boots right now. Yeah, he's gonna sue you for copyright for, yeah. for the reboot of the reboot of the reboot. I'm ready. <laughs> but you could take like a sip of sweet tea down here, and your like left foot immediately goes numb. Jesus Christ! Like it didn't even exist. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's, two glasses rat poisoning and fucking sweet tea? You're like, oh, that's the sweet tea. I'm gonna drink this one here. Yeah, but don't worry, you'll be able to experience all of this when you come down in two weeks. Speaking of experience, Q, fresh off of a vacation, tell me how was Vegas? I hate flying in airplanes. That's what I'll. That's all I'm gonna say. You picked the best day to fly ever. Yeah, I was I was surprised because I I got the JFK and apparently the rule was you have to wear the mask in JFK's airport, but when you get when you get on the plane, you can take it off because that fucking makes sense. Um, Well, that's kind of like you're waiting for your reservation to eat at a restaurant. Big big open airport. No, you gotta wear a mask, but on the fucking plane. Recycled air, fun. Yeah, totally. It's it's completely fine. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas was fun. Uh, I'm not gonna give you many details because it's uh, for legal purposes. Yeah, exactly. I because I was trying to follow your stories, and I was like, this dude is fucked up. I'm coming off a pretty. <laughs> it was like trying to put together like the Riddler's fucking clues. <laughs> I was like, is this is this supposed to symbolize something? What's going on here? <laughs> I see a pool at like four in the morning. Like, did somebody drown? What's it's what's like getting on? into Requiem for a Dream like an hour into the movie. Like on, nothing makes on, sense. I'm losing. Gato, I'm very sorry that my Riddler like breadcrumbs didn't make sense to you, but. It, it was all part of the plan that you didn't see. No, um, no, it was. It, it's a cool. It's a really cool place. I, I was. It, it's very. What I've noticed though, it's very stimulus overload, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what the lights are like. I mean, you literally. We were about five minutes off the strip, and we literally all we had to do was just go onto a highway for like two minutes, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you just see the lights. And um, expensive is a good way to put that uh city it's it's crazy it's expensive it really is like literally doing anything but even like the food you can and do everything. literally anything it's just yeah. it's gonna cost you there's a price yeah. for everything but you can do everything pretty much and uh it's uh it's it's a really cool place it was a lot of fun but uh it's 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 i'm coming off of like a five-day bender here so it's like i'm <laughs> i'm not at full force uh, today what what was uh like the most delightful surprise about Vegas to you? 
Um, well, the surprise as in, um, well, just like something that you were like, oh, this is not something I was expecting to be so great or so I, well, what I'll say was interesting about Vegas was it is really a tale of two different cities because obviously it's desert, right? Mm -hmm. It's ultimately what it's built on. I'm shocked at how fast you can go from seeing casinos and all that big buildings to literally mountain ranges. Oh, yeah. And we actually did a hiking trip um, the day after we got there. And it didn't take very long to get from where we were, like 20 minutes. Oh, 20 minutes. Yeah, it was not far. And beautiful, beautiful, like they, I think they were called the Red, Red, Mount, uh, Red Hills or something like that um really really interesting stuff and it was it was a lot of fun so it was it was kind of nice to see that like you literally like can be in like this it's like imagine if new york city was right next to like suburbs like it, it you have to you have to be able to you have to drive a certain distance to be able to get to these places but it's like it's all seemed pretty pretty condensed and Oh, that's just like jumping on the Long Island Railroad for an hour. Right, pretty much. But but it's it's even but it's it's literally like driving through casinos, and then all of a sudden you get on a highway, and it's like, oh, there's fucking you can see the mountains in the the background, but like it doesn't take very long to get there. So I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I did see we did see John Legend. That was probably I would say one of the highlights. He was a it was an awesome show. Would you go back? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I would make sure that I save a fuck ton of money first, because um, it really is just crazy expensive. Um, but uh, but yeah, that doesn't no. strike me as a place you go and drink beer at, right? No, no, because you're not getting your money's worth. So um, for the most part, it was like liquor. If any, if anything, I was drinking like you know the fucking bitch seltzers because like. Did you did you happen to find the place that sells like the four foot long fucking alcoholic slurp oh they're 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 everywhere because that's that's where we found um like the best value because you could go in there for like 15 bucks and you have like four drinks right there there was one cool i will say there was one cool place we went to and i can't tell if i like love this idea or hate this idea there was it was a bar called minus five Oh, and the ice bar? The ice bar. <laughs> Literally everything in that fucking bar was made of made of ice. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it was like they give you jackets and fucking like gloves and shit. And like I'm like, this is like nonsensical, but I kind of love it. So it's uh it was it was kind of funny. That place makes you feel like a villain, like a super villain. Right. Yeah, no, I did feel like fucking <laughs> I felt like Lex like with that jacket on, I felt like Lex Luthor in the fucking uh Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. You know, so it's hammered like, though. Yeah, just just <laughs> completely shit face. So they, they had they have one of those in fucking Amsterdam, man. And it I went so in there weird, and there was so a bunch awesome. of Germans hanging out and talk about a bunch of people that sound villainous to begin with yeah yeah this is very y'all this is very y'all this is the (laughs) entire time they weren't really saying anything just yeah a lot but it was sinister sounding when they're in a fucking fur coat with white gloves on or whatever the hell they give you it was just so funny (laughs) but like i realized like how conditioned i am to cold weather that like i was like i could have took my jacket off and been fine because it's oh, like yeah you've waited for a cab outside of like yeah the village idiot at two o'clock in the morning in january you know how oh, this works 100 thanksgiving eve come on 
you're not getting a cab and yeah or, you're uh, only you know, in like a black minutes. thermal and like tim's like you're fine and you're sitting out there for three hours watching people fight over cabs and fucking ubers so it's like come on Born i mean i i will go out there just to watch that so yeah it's good people watching for sure um but yeah no it was uh it's a it's a very cool city um i actually i actually i actually won a little bit of money and then lost it so um yeah that's uh, so, you it's perfect. so you didn't win any money <laughs> I, I yeah pretty much i had a mini i had a mini That's... moment on the, i was playing roulette and i wasn't like crushing it or anything but i was like i was actually hitting on some hands and i was like and i see how like i'm not i'm not a gambler by trade like i'm really not i don't i don't i don't love it i, I like picking nfl games but that's about it and I, I can see how you can get sucked into it pretty fast. So Oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm glad that I did not really I didn't lose any money gambling. So that's considered like a victory going. Yeah, yeah. Like All that. my money just went towards like food and drinks, so <laughs> and housing. So what was the best meal that you had there? Oh man, I there's there I don't remember. I'll have to find the name of the place and i'll make sure we get it included for the episode i'll have to ask somebody because i was not in any condition to know what the name of the restaurant was uh there was this there was a steak there was a steakhouse in uh, one of the fucking casinos that had this like garlic crusted roasted garlic crusted steak that was just like banana and they had a thick cut uh maplewood bacon that was just like banana that's why like i'm like going vegetarian for like the next month because all i ate was like steak and fucking too too much red meat so you failed in your pores yeah i'm like i, I like i had the meat sweats all all week pretty much because but it was funny it was shock the most shocking thing about being there though was that it was actually fucking cold all week interesting yeah it was like 60 degrees almost like every day it was like it felt cold so i think it was like snowing in in the north like there there was snow on the mountains you could see the snow on there yep but yeah no i think i would definitely go back um it is definitely a place you should go with either a significant other or a bunch of friends like don't go um, no no because yeah that's just sad if you go by yourself it's sad yeah yeah it's 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 super sad so that was my trip in a in a nutshell nice so boys want to do some assholes since uh since you have a day off today, give us your asshole of the week. <laughs> Gotta have the off day today too, but uh, um, I, you know, I mean, we already talked about it, but I'm I'm fucking sick and tired of Elon Musk. I'm really fucking sick and tired of him. Uh, so I'm not gonna go into a huge diatribe, but I I find this forty five forty five billion dollar vanity project that he's got going on with Twitter to be um ridiculous, and I I actually do generally like Twitter. Um, as much as toxic as it can be, I like I I you know I like it for news. I think I think it's the best way to be able to kind of be alerted of like breaking stories. And, and you know, look, I mean, there's we live in a very crazy world, so it's good to at least keep an eye on eye on those things. And for sports too, I think it's great. Um, following sports uh, uh, news and all that, especially during like turbulent <laughs> times. Um, and I I'm generally concerned about not only the the content that's going to happen, but also like we were discussing before the type of paywalling that I expect to happen eventually. Um, once he kind of gets his grubby business hands on it. Um, so 
Yeah, he could he could probably be asshole of the week every week uh, for the straight year, but I'm going with Elon Musk. I I I think I kind of want to go with um what's his name? Uh Kevin McCarthy there? Not Kevin McCarthy. Yep, Kevin McCarthy. Oh, it is Kevin McCarthy. I wanted to say Mike McCarthy for whatever reason, but that's the fucking coach. Yeah, he could probably the, also be the asshole. The honestly, <laughs> yeah, pick him too. Just pick him too. Okay, I, Mike- but uh, I think I think this week, uh, my winner of the prestigious asshole of the week is probably going to have to be Kevin McCarthy for his handling of everything going on. From was it a deposition hearing of Marjorie Taylor Greene? to the stuff he he was on tape saying that was released there's just so many good things that he was the shit end of he's 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 just my asshole he's such an asshole yeah those text messages are yeah i love the by the way marjorie taylor green uh called it martial law at like the name marshall Yes, or the like, store. I, I'm going to go to Marshall Mathers or Marshall Mathers instead the of Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, instead of Marshall, like the military sends. So that was pretty funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was also someone I was th- considering for this award this week. Um, she said something so funny in that de- in that deposition. She said um, she she was doing something like when when someone tries to sound like a lawyer and they're not. She's like, I think she called it hearsay or something. Like they, so the guy asked her, like, have you ever oh, called Nancy Pelosi a traitor? Yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, I do no, not recall that, that, saying that. Like that's con- that's conjecture. And he's like, <laughs> No, you said it on this day. Oh, I don't recall. Yeah. And it's like it's just like, like, you're not a lawyer, lady. Just you're not a lawyer. It. You're a fucking like fitness coach, you dummy. <laughs> She's like trying to use like legal fucking courtroom terms. And I don't like, was she under oath at that point? I'm sure she was. Yeah, she was. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're not a lawyer. So like, you may want to take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. I'm shocked that she's not, well, I guess there wasn't like a judge per se, right? It was just a deposition, I think. Yeah. Right. Because she's just perjured the shit out of herself in that thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what happens when you're more concerned about doing burpees and talking about QAnon than actually like reading the fucking job description of what a congressperson is supposed to do. Yeah. So with that being said. Um, <sighs> Guess who? I was going to go Mark Meadows. And I know that we talked about him previously, but being the chief of staff for the Trump administration in a political party that says that voter fraud is a rampant thing, being actively able to vote in three different states. Yeah. Big problem for me um, in the sense of, you know, the biggest hypocritical bullshit you could imagine. (sighs) I don't know. Marjorie Taylor Greene just keeps creeping in, telling me that she doesn't recall. She said, I don't recall 50 times in that. So if I can have two, with the power of the second mouse, may I have two assholes of the week? Sure. Yes, you may. It has been allowed. So my assholes of the week are going to be Mark Meadows for being full of shit. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene for not understanding the assignment. And honestly, being a Twitter tough guy or tough girl in her case, like talking a ton of shit on the internet. And then when it comes, when push comes to shove, when you have to like be accountable for what you say, like, oh, I don't recall. Fuck you. Of course you remember what you said. Yeah. Well, we have a record of it. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It's the internet. 
Nothing goes away. And on top of it, you're a government official. That shit is definitely never going away. Dude, I mean, that is monkey see monkey do, though, right? She saw Trump just Teflon that all day, saying shit, tweeting shit, and, and then, like, denying it in public. And people just be like, yeah, okay, uh-huh. But she doesn't have that fucking... No. And also, Trump, Trump, is, Trump is usually smart enough to avoid depositions and being on being literally on record to where, like, he can get... Like, they wouldn't have even gotten to that question. Right, that exactly. Yeah. Well, he's about um, to get hit for $10,000 a day by uh, the yeah, New York contempt, court. Yeah, he's being... What is it, contempt he's being held? Yeah, because he has not submitted all the documents he needed to... Um, Shocking. Ten 10,000's not going to fucking make it. No, he'll he'll sit on that as he'll sit on that forever. He'll be like I'll just throw two more rallies. It's cool. Yeah, yeah but exactly. $10,000 a day though. Yeah, that that he, he doesn't care about that. And like some some fucking shit, you know, right-wing yeah, you get- billionaire will just pay that for him pretty much. He'll give him the money. Is Stephen Wynn still alive? Is Sheldon Addison still alive? No, he's dead. Oh, okay. Stephen Wynn I think is still alive. Insula. Um yeah, I, I, I just it's just so stupid, man. I I I hate the timeline we live in because like he is going to be able to skate on this. Like Trump's going to skate sure. on this. Yeah. Well, that's why it's like we're just wasting time. Let's actually get to business. The economy's folding as we speak. It could be a good idea if we like started actually legislating and getting shit done. But nah. Nah. No, it doesn't nah. happen anymore. Nah. Let's just go after fucking idiots and make them look like idiots in a public forum that that will help that will make change yep love that for us yeah picks of the week <laughs> let's do it Ooh. i'll roll again because uh it's uh i'm not gonna go too deep into mine because of that there's a reason for it um beauty of being on a plane is that there's nothing else to do except sit there and either read or watch a movie um i've been meaning to watch this movie for a long time i love uh the director edgar wright if you've ever seen Shaun of the dead baby driver um scott pilgrim versus the world a lot of good movies he's made he made a movie uh came out last year called last night in soho Mm -hmm. and it was very like sparsely marketed um and i like had it on my list for a long time it was available to watch i did I was actually like, I, you know, I'm already a fan of Edgar Wright's, but uh, it, I, I, again, I don't want to give away too much. There, the ending was kind of crazy, and I not where I expected it to go. So there's a kind of a nice twist to it. Um, so I recommend uh, to give that a watch. And if you haven't seen his other movies, definitely check them out. They're they're really good. All righty. So um, we had a fan um, offer a pick of the week. Hey. Jeff- Jeff Thomas um, offered his pick of the week, and that is the documentary called The Dissident, which is about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Um, That's a good one. The director also did Icarus, which was the documentary about the Russian doping scandal that afflicted both the Tour de France and also the Olympics for a very long period of time. I've gotten about halfway through it. Um, It's great so far. It's fantastic. And I admittedly had probably a surface level understanding of what was happening in terms of who the major players were, but to know how involved Jamal Khashoggi was with the Saudi government and how quickly um, he fell out of power or fell out of favor with them and how he spoke out against the Saudi regime was impressive. Um, It's 
it's excellent so far. The interesting thing is they were it did very poorly in the box office, not just because of COVID, but so few places were willing to pick it up. Amazon Prime didn't pick it up. Netflix didn't pick it up. Um, it's streaming for free on YouTube right now. Um, And you can understand why, because there is still influence that the Saudi regime has and Muhammad bin Salman has over certain entities in the world. Uh, Thank you to Jeff for passing it along to us. Um, I recommend everybody go out and see it. Yeah. My pick of the week, though, is um, a book called... How the Post Office Created America by Winifred Gallagher. I got into this book because I was generally curious because the post office post office has always been something that's been of interest to me, just given the negativity that that swirls around it. And typically, the right wing like angst against the post office and that they're always trying to cut their funding and cut their budget. But in reality, the post office was never designed to make a profit. It was actually supposed to support as many people as it could. Back in the day, you could have a bank account with the post office. And I'm in the early stages of this book right now, and they're talking about how... Um, the, um, the, the Continental Post Office was founded during the American Revolution. And a couple of key points I wanted to point out to everybody is the post office was so important that it had broader authority than George Washington and the Continental Army. Yeah. Which means their budgets were passed or they were given as much money as they needed and as much personnel. And they encouraged as many people in the colonies to send letters in the hopes of continuing to spread the word about the revolution. And then ultimately the American postal service was so successful that eventually it put the British postal service out of business in the colonies during the American revolution. It was like ye old fucking social media then. Right. It was like getting very much then (laughs) very much. It's, it's impressive how so many different, Powers and countries tried to have their own postal service and how few of them were able to make it work. And the American Postal Service was so successful and eventually was able to build the country. I can't stress how enough how good the U.S. postal system actually is in comparison. When I lived in the Netherlands, it just didn't feel the same. Like deliveries were like hit or miss, like the, the whole like the way we do mail here is like an exact science. It is beautiful in comparison to how they, they handle it in other places, man. Well, the microphone that you use was not even yours, right? Someone just gave it to you. (laughs) (laughs) I, that was the weirdest situation, man. Like I, I, I told the guy too, I was like, Hey, you know, like this, this is for a different address. And he looks at it and he goes, it's yours now. And just walks away. (laughs) That's funny. No, this is the wrong address. Oh, whatever. It, it drove it drove me crazy during the 2020 election when they were talking about like it's not it's not making money anymore and it's like it's not intended to. It's a service. It's not it's not a it's, it's a not a business. Good. It's it yeah, be a it's net a public zero type, yeah. Right. So it's like we're that's the whole point is like it's like like do police <laughs> stations make money? Like well, they probably do actually. Not <laughs> seizures. Um, but like, it, it just drove me crazy. And also like to this day, it's still culturally relevant because there are still some areas of this country that 
FedEx and UPS and all of them won't go to. So, mm-hmm. and ultimately, there's somebody else who was a pick of the week that I had a few weeks ago. Um, it was a YouTube channel called Knowing Better. Um, that guy did a really good deep dive on the American Postal Service, and he ultimately said, like, of course it doesn't make any money when you strip away all of the funding and tell yeah. it to rely on itself. Yeah. Ultimately, though, designed to help people in this country at all economic levels communicate because during the British occupation of the U.S. or the British occupation of the colonies, the only people who had access to postage were the very wealthy and the military and politicians. So ultimately, this was something that was designed to help farmers talk to each other instead of the wealthiest people. And right now, even back then, they had competitors. They had private entities that would deliver mail. But ultimately, the most consistent thing and the thing that people relied on the most was the U.S. Postal Service. So again, that name of the book is... um, how the post office created America. It was written by Winifred Gallagher. Pick it up at your local library, support your local library and your local post office. Got it. Well, what said. You got. well said. I was trying to think like, what did I watch this week? And um, I watched a few things. Uh, I watched the dropout. Um, that was the whole Elizabeth Holmes biopic. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the girl from Plainview, which Plainville, sorry, the girl from Plainville. Um, not to be confused with Long Island in Long Island, and uh, that was about the girl in the case, um, with or tried to convince her boyfriend to kill himself. Oh, yeah, this is bad. I don't know. I I feel like those are just things that I've I saw this week. I wouldn't really say they were too special. Um, I mean, if, if anything, Hulu taught me a valuable lesson that if I ever see anybody monologuing into a mirror they're probably going to commit atrocities like that's the one thing you get from both of those i think probably my <laughs> pick of the week though actually is billions i started re-watching that show um i just it's a it's an all right show but i like it because it's kind of smart i get to hate watch it because i hate billionaires so <laughs> there was a there was one show that it keeps getting recommended to me and i've not taken the plunge yet I think the first two seasons were probably the best. Everything after mm-hmm. that was just, it's the same story over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the characters were good. I, I appreciate Damian Lewis who um, plays kind of, he plays the billionaire in that show in the sense that he stepped away from that show. Cause he said, there's only so much I can invest in a character who's this narcissistic and this vindictive. And he said it was starting to impact like his relationships with people. His wife was also very sick and she recently passed away as well. So he's always been, he's always been a tremendous actor. Um, His wife was actually one of the main characters in Peaky Blinders. That's the guy from Homeland, right? Correct. And Band of Brothers. I support that pick of the week. I think Damian Lewis and there's a great cast in that. that. It is a great cast. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Uh, And Hens in it. Dan Soder even gets in there. Dan Soder's <laughs> fucking awesome. I love yeah. Dan Soder. It's it's a well cast show. I just think that the shelf life has gone. It's it's kind of hit its expiration date at this point. Yeah. Yeah. As a show, like the first couple seasons are dynamite, but after that, it's like, okay, what are we doing here? That's why again I mentioned this uh I think like last week. We were talking about Silicon Valley, and like my judge was just like 
yeah, I'm ending it because like I can't have the same shit happen every single year. Yeah, and I'm hoping, and we talked about this too, and we're hoping that's the same thing that doesn't happen to Succession either. I feel, I feel, I think they're only. I think they said that they're only going another year or two with that. So I think they're being smart that they're not gonna oversaturate it. But you know, who knows? There's always money to be made. The, yep. The the thing the thing I like about billions is that everybody has these shades of good and bad. They they are complex characters. Um, there's good character development in that, even though everyone's like greedy and doing something for either money or ambition. They're yeah. all kind they of. They all have their reasons. One or the other. Yeah, and they yeah. have motivations, and they have depth, and they have rationale. So I just really like the character development on that show, um, and the and the dialogue is is quick witted, punchy, fast. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's, that's it. Doesn't feel story. like a long show. The no, even though each long. episode is what forty minute, forty minutes long, an hour long. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I haven't got into it yet, but there's a new uh, John Wayne Gacy uh, documentary oh, yeah. on Netflix that I'm about to sink into soon. So, just something to keep in mind. Well, just so you know, you already made your pick for our serial killer fantasy league, so you can uh, you can't switch picks now. <laughs> yeah, it's only because I got fucking last pick again, and like it always seems to happen. Well, it's a snake get... league. It's a sickle <laughs> league, so everything's back around. <laughs> I never get the top heavy hitters like fucking Gacy or, you know. Jack the Ripper. Yeah. I would get stuck with fucking Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that. Too. <laughs> serial killer. Bomb and lover, motherfucker. <laughs> serial killer. Serial killer uh, fantasy league might be the sickest or best idea we've ever had. Yeah. How would, how Ted would that Kaczynski play? is definitely yeah. a hybrid. He's definitely a flex. Yeah, 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 it's like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he he's, the, he's not he can a build bombs and <laughs> he's not an SK one. He's not a serial no. killer one. He's no. like he's like a he's like a he's like a mid range serial killer two. So we need to find like Dan Bongino's like serial killer mock draft. We need Mel Kiper on this. <laughs> Rising up the boards. He's a late riser. Well, who's the guy that did uh, America's Most Wanted for all those years? I don't. I don't remember his name. We should get him to do it. Alrighty, folks. Well, that does it again for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. This is a lifestyle podcast about the musings of the day, general commentary, and anything you feel that you need to know. Um, this show would not be possible without the listeners like you. So give us a five stars and a review on all your favorite streaming platforms and share this episode with your friends. Lastly, follow the Second Mouse podcast and all social media accounts like Twitter and Instagram. Just search Second Mouse podcast and give us a like and a follow. We normally share some pretty funny shit. So why not follow the page and give you something to laugh at during the day? Thanks again, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's get me a rhythm! Follow me! We are, we are And then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live.
make your jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> suck it, Jack Sparrow. 